It's less than a year since Roe v. Wade was overturned. In this program, we'll be discussing the current state of the pro-life movement, how woke business models have become the next ideological battle, and how you can more effectively push back with your pocketbook. All of this in another special segment of Dictionary Wars coming up. I'm your host of Narrative Wars, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired. So tired. Well, it's Monday, the 18th of April, 2023, and God is still on the throne. If you're a lover of life and of liberty, then you're listening to the right podcast. Hey, we are in a new world right now. There's a new world, folks. And with the Dobbs case overruling Roe v. Wade in June of 2022, everything has changed. Amazing, isn't it? It's it's not even been a year, but... Roe v. Wade is no longer the so-called law of the land. So for all of you pro-life advocates listening to the program today, it's imperative that you keep and continue to keep your foot on the proverbial gas pedal. Stay vigilant, contact your local lawmakers, and let them know how you feel about the abortion issue and how you feel about the importance of supporting life. The strategy is now shifting. They're shifting to abortion pills. The abortion activists, they lost the battle in the Supreme Court. So now they're pushing in other directions. And they're pushing now these abortion pills. They're shifting to abortion sanctuary states, okay? States that are going to be safe havens for murdering babies. And they're shifting to gender mutilation care, which will not only sterilize the next generation, but it will also confuse them and make them a permanent consumer of gender chemical castrating drugs. What a horrible, horrible life to live. A permanent consumer of gender mutilating drugs. But there's some hopeful news out there on the horizon. We'll be covering that later on the program. You don't want to miss any part of this program. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, your host, Narrative Wars. Well, let's take a look at our first cut. Now, we're going to talk about the abortion pill battle. Now, the Supreme Court has temporarily kept in place federal rules for the use of an abortion drug. Now, that drug is currently legal. It's out there on the market, but there are some laws and there are some attempts to curb the use or the access to this drug. And uh, while it's, it's going to take a little bit of time, uh, so the Supreme Court is a- asking for some more information this coming week. A decision may come out by the end of the week or early next week. We're going to see. Let's listen to cut number one. Now to the abortion pill battle. The Supreme Court on Friday temporarily keeping in place federal rules on an abortion drug while it takes time to fully consider the issues raised in a court challenge. That decision making it possible, at least for now, for women to get mifepristone by mail as the legal battle continues. Meanwhile, rallies and protests were held throughout the country this weekend. Protests and rallies across the country. At stake, the nation's most commonly used abortion pill, mifepristone. The Supreme Court saying it will take up the issue. What the Fifth Circuit did was to grant a stay that maintains the status quo, that keeps everything in place regarding the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals order and the order of U.S. District Judge Matthew Kismark and Amarillo that essentially limited the circumstances under which mifepristone could be used or distributed. And the Supreme Court gave the anti-abortion proponents until 2 o'clock Wednesday 
to follow response to the KPRC2 legal analyst Brian Weiss for- says the temporary action allows the full court to review emergency appeals from the Biden administration and one of the drug makers. It also gives the plaintiffs, a group of doctors and advocacy groups, until Tuesday to submit their arguments. The Department of Justice is represented by the Solicitor General. That's the government's top lawyer in the United States Supreme Court, the best of the best. And the thrust of the SG's argument is that the plaintiffs, the anti-abortion proponents who won in Judge Kismerick's court, don't have legal standing. It's a fancy legal term, meaning they weren't directly impacted or injured by the fact that Mifeprestone's been approved by the FDA. If the Fifth Circuit ruling is upheld, women would have to get the drug in person at the doctor's office. It would no longer be available by mail, and the window for prescription would be narrowed from 10 weeks to 7 weeks of pregnancy. So this is the battle. The battle is the limitation of the access to Mifeprestone, and it's a drug that um, is extremely effective in in terms of murdering babies upwards of 90%, maybe as high as 95%. But the point is that, look, who is challenging this law in the state of Texas? Oh, yes, it's the Biden administration because they're pro-death. It's the Biden administration. And oh, big surprise out there, folks. Who else is challenging it? It is the drug company because they're going to lose money. It's all about money. We don't care if you're murdering your babies. We don't care if it's going to cause psychological damage for the rest of your life. We just care about making money in this situation, which is making money off the death of, of children. Look, if we don't speak up for the unborn, who is? The unborn folks can't speak up for the unborn. It's not possible. So keep your foot on the gas. Folks, if you're in the state of Texas, please weigh in because this is an important issue and uh, limiting the access to this mifeprestone is a good step. Getting rid of it completely would be a better step, but sometimes you have to chip away bit by bit. Now, we're going to move on to another story here, and this is the Washington Senate. The Washington Senate has now passed the SHIELD bill. First, the House did uh, because the bill started in the House. We're talking about House Bill 1469 in the state of Washington. And now the Senate has passed uh, House Bill 1469. And the only next step is for it to go on to the governor for a signing and for it to become law. Now, why are we talking about House Bill 1469? Well, from an article in the Post Millennial, quote, the irony of this bill being coined the shield law is not lost on us. You're not shielding children, you're shielding those who would abuse them. Gender-affirming care is a disguise, disgusting euphemism for child abuse. So here we go again. Now we jump from the state of Texas. Our first story was in the state of Texas where they're trying to limit mifepristone and that's a drug which uh, women can take which will abort their children. But now we're going to jump over to the evergreen state, the state of Washington, and there is a bill HB 1469 has been passed. It started in the House, okay, originated in the House, and then it went over to the Senate. And uh, they've both approved it. So the next step is that the governor is going to sign it. He'll probably do a big PR event, cameras and uh, PR statements and television uh, coverage and and all of this. Now, HB 1469 protects providers and patients in the state of Washington from out-of-state lawsuits. So this is what it's really about. It's about hiding, hiding gender mutilation and hiding abortions, both being performed on minors in the state of Washington. Now, it protects providers and patients in Washington from out-of-state lawsuits for providing abortions and gender-altering surgeries by prohibiting out-of-state subpoenas and criminal investigation seeking information related to the treatment and procedures. I don't even know if this is legal, but all of this is going to be tested out in the courts. I mean, you know, what's the next step, you know? You know, legalized uh, murder. Wait a moment. Abortion is legalized murder. Yeah. 
Yeah, it actually is. Uh, I guess it's out there. We've got legalized murder in the state of Washington. However, however, we're not going to uh, listen to any subpoenas. We're not going to give anybody access to information from other states if they want to find out or if there's something on the books that prohibits minors in those other states to get these procedures done. No, we're not going to participate. We're not going to share information because we're just going to draw a little fence, draw a little fence around the state of Washington. And inside that fence, we can murder, murder babies. We can murder the unborn. Of course, their life, of course, their babies. Is a person not a human being five minutes before they come out of the birth canal and they're crying and they're out in the, out in the world and the umbilical cord is cut? Of course, of course, five minutes prior when they're still in the mother's womb, that is a human being. That is an entirely a human being, viable. You know, when does life begin is another subject. I believe life begins at conception. Uh, you can differ with me on that. I'm not changing my tune on that. So now let's move on. This is really interesting. More analysis here. This is bill analysis from the Washington State House of Representatives. Office of Program Research. Let's see what they say about HB 1469. Now, definitions. In their analysis, they say reproductive health care services. What does this mean? Let's unpack this because, folks, you have to understand that these are euphemisms. These are terms that are loaded and couched in doublespeak, okay? This is doublespeak. When they say gender-affirming treatment, they don't mean affirming treatment at all. They mean disaffirming treatment, and we're going to hack you up and turn you into some sort of weird freak Frankenstein experiment and drug you up for the rest of your life. That's what we're going to do. But no, it's called gender-affirming treatment. These are barbaric euphemisms. So, reading from the analysis from the Office of Program Research in the Washington State House of Representatives, reproductive health care services means all services. And listen to this. This is really an inclusive definition. All services, care or products of a medical, surgical, psychiatric, therapeutic, mental health, behavioral health, diagnostic, preventative, rehabilitative, supportive, counseling, referral, prescribing, or dispensing nature related to the human reproductive system, including, but not limited to, all services, care, products related to pregnancy, assisted reproduction, contraception, miscarriage management. Ha! Miscarriage management. What does that really mean? Miscarriage management but I digressed, or the termination of a pregnancy. Ah, there it is, abortion, way down at the bottom of the page, including self-managed termination. So self-managed termination uh, would be something falling to the category of mifepristone, which we were talking about, which is being right now discussed, you know, in terms of the limited access in the state of Texas. So that would be self-managed termination, which would be a doctor prescribing or helping somebody get access to a drug like mifepristone or something else, whatever they come up with in the future. Now, here's another definition, gender-affirming treatment, okay? Gender-affirming treatment sounds a lot like gender-affirming care. We just want to affirm you. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really benign, doesn't it? It, it doesn't sound very threatening. We just want to affirm you. Well, let's see what this term means. It means health services or products that support and affirm an individual's gender identity, including social, psychological, behavioral, medical, and surgical interventions. Oh, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> we're just going to hack off your breasts if you're a woman. We're going to hack off your penis if you're a man. Okay, not a problem. You can have that done here in the beautiful evergreen state, the state of Washington, not a, not a problem because we're going to call it gender affirming. Yeah, yeah. Gender affirming care services include 
but are not limited to evaluation and treatments for gender dysphoria, gender-affirming hormone therapy. There it is, gender-affirming hormone therapy. Like, we're going to shut down, if you're a man, we're going to shut down that, that evil testosterone. We're going to bump you up with estrogen. And if you're a woman, we're going to hack off your breasts and we're going to pump you full of testosterone, and we're going to shut down the estrogen. That's what we're going to do. Gender-affirming hormone therapy. And in addition to that, we'll give you a whole lot of other drugs. And gender-affirming surgical procedures. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've heard it's 20, 30, 40,000 a pop. Oh, they'll be making quite a lot of money off of this while they'll be hacking people up and sending out the Frankenstein people to be walking the streets. Absolutely miserable and there'll be minors. You should never allow any so-called professional medical personnel to hack up minors like this. Their medical licenses should be taken away. And finally, protected health care services. Okay, what does the term protected health care services means? Well, it's sort of a catch-all here. It means gender-affirming treatment and reproductive health care services that are lawful in the state of Washington. Wow, shouldn't we all just go take a vacation there? Wow. Now, a couple takeaways here from these different stories. The Dobbs Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade, it's having a clear life-saving effect. Well, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. In fact, what we've learned from the Society of Family Planning, April 11, we've learned that since Dobbs' case came out and struck down the barbaric Roe v. Wade, which was in place for 49, almost 50 years, 32,260 fewer abortions took place from July That'd be July of last year, July of 2022, through December of 2022, okay? That's an average of about 5,377 fewer abortions per month. 5,377 lives saved. 5,377 people, human beings, the unborn, who had no voice, which were voiceless now they're going to be allowed to have a voice. Now they're going to be allowed to live. And that's a great thing. Now that's compared to the average monthly numbers observed prior to the court's ruling of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization. Now states that permit abortion have seen a cumulative total of 11,150 more people who had abortions. Okay? 11,000 50 more people. So I'm not sure when we look at these numbers and these numbers are coming. And I mean, it's barbaric to even think of these as numbers. These aren't numbers. These are human lives. These are human lives. But what we're learning is that if a woman is pregnant in one of these states where life is protected, there's a much better chance. There's a much better chance of life existing of children being born but unfortunately one of the most dangerous places to be in the united states of america it's not on the streets of new york no it's not in certain neighborhoods it's not in certain woke cities no it's in the womb it's in the womb and especially in the womb of these blue states because that is where the battle is folks 63 million lives have been lost, murdered because of abortion in the United States of America since Roe v. Wade. 63 million human lives. And these people didn't even have the chance to speak. They didn't have the chance to go to school. They didn't have the chance to get married or enjoy life or have children. None of that. Their lives were cut off. You know, a good friend of mine said, hey, you need to vote for this candidate. 
you need to vote for this Democrat candidate for president. I said, I can't do it. Can't do it. They said, why? I said, because that person is supporting abortion. Well, you're just a single-issue voter. You're just a single-issue voter. I said, no, really, I'm not. I have 63 million reasons not to vote for that person. Folks, remember, the attack against life, it comes in many forms. It's not just abortion. They're ramping it up. The haters of life, the left wing, the haters of life in this country, they not only are pushing abortion, but now they're pushing with pedal to the metal, gender mutilation care, and even sterilization through other medical treatments. As a nation, we must uphold life lest we perish as a nation. Look at what happened to the Jewish people. Read Psalm 106. It talks about what happened when they offered up their babies as a sacrifice to the gods of the land and God judged them. God judged them severely. And now there are new gods in this land. Actually, they've been here for quite some time and they're, God, they're the gods of convenience, the gods of me, the gods of narcissism, the gods of it's about me and how I feel. It's the gods of, hey, I just want a party. You know, I, I, can't, I can't deal with, with having a child. Well, put the child up for adoption. Put the child up for adoption. Don't murder the child. But now... The murder of children is celebrated. Well, I'm saying no. I'm saying no. That's not right. Abortion has now clearly moved to a new battleground in these blue states like the state of Washington. Thank God that the state of Texas is pushing back. Keep that one in prayer. And we're going to see what happens as that Mifepristone uh, case is uh, adjudicated in the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court has still not weighed in on this issue, as, we, as we've mentioned, and they're collecting information. They're collecting information. So stay in prayer, stay in prayer, and don't give up. Hey, this is Jeffrey K. Lyons again, your host of Narrative Wars. And we want to give a shout out to our many listeners, both in the United States and in other countries, such as Canada, the UK, and the Philippines. Thank you for listening. Please five-star uh, rate, share, and tell a friend about this program. You can find us on our webpage. Just go to narrativewars.org. That's narrativewars.org. And when you go there, you're going to see links to your favorite podcasting apps, which you can just download onto your computers or your devices. Hey, thanks again. And now back to our topic for this program. I wanted to share with you this, and this is Psalm 106. I teased it a bit earlier, but listen to what it says. This is what happened to the people of Israel when they went into the promised land. And this was the generation after Joshua's generation. They weren't fearing God anymore. They were just thinking about themselves. They didn't tear down the high places. Those are the altars that were to the gods of that land prior to them coming in and taking the so-called promised land. Listen to this. Psalm 106, 38 to 41. I'm just going to read a few verses here. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. Therefore, the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations, and their foes ruled over them. Does, does that sound similar? Do you see any of that going on in the United States of America? Sacrificing the children of America? America becoming desecrated by the blood of the children. Their blood cries out even to this day. Does it surprise you that God is angry? 
with this sort of behavior? Does it surprise you that God is saying no, that he's turning his back on the United States? The final verse that we read says, he gave them, that means God, God gave them into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. What is happening? Our southern border is being overwhelmed. They're just walking in. The nations are walking in and the jails of the other nations are being emptied out and people are being sent in. Fentanyl's coming in. MS-13 gang members are coming in. We've got drug trafficking We've got child trafficking, child sex trafficking, tens of thousands of minors unaccompanied coming across. Is it any surprise that these things are happening? And I say, no, it's not a surprise. When we're a nation with 63 million, 63 million human lives, all that blood, all that blood on our hands, and God is saying, well, I'm going to turn my back for a period of time. We can change. We can change. And we can say, no, we're not going to be that nation anymore. We're going to stand up for the unborn. We're going to move on to another story here. Woke banks have run wild. Woke banks. Well, we heard about Silicon Valley Bank and how it collapsed uh, in California. Silicon Valley Bank was one of the largest banks in the United States of America. And what happened? Well, this is very interesting because there was something that the Trump administration wanted to put in place and the Biden administration did not allow it to go in place. Let's listen to this story. This is from Newsweek. It's a story under Joe Biden, woke banks run wild. Justin Haskins. Okay, reading from the story, during the final weeks of the Trump administration, the Federal Office of the Comptroller of Currency issued an important regulation that would have required financial institutions to base their rules governing access to banking services on financial concerns rather than political views. Well, you would think that that's kind of a no-brainer, right? Uh, in other words, if you're a banker, you're supposed to be apolitical. You're not supposed to treat one customer one way and another customer another way. Well, wrong-o, that's not happening right now. Look at what happened to the My Pillow guy, right? His bank account was summarily curtailed, cut off, and he did not have warning ahead, and he had to suddenly just change banks. Why? Because they didn't like the fact that he was speaking out and that he was challenging election results, that he was saying we need to move to paper ballots. They didn't like that. They didn't like that. So they just cut him off. And that's what this would have done. But it was uh, in terms of it, it would have stopped this Trump administration initiative, uh, ruling, regulation, uh, regarding banking in the United States of America, it would have stopped banks from making decisions on political views. But no, the Biden administration cut that one off. According to the Trump area o era OCC, that's the the Comptroller of Currency, okay, Office of Comptroller of Currency. Quote, the rule codifies more than a decade of OCC guidance stating that banks should conduct risk assessment of individual customers rather than make broad-based decisions affecting whole categories or classes of customers when providing access to services, capital, and credit. Sounds reasonable to me. Article continues the Trump administration's rule would have provided an important safeguard against large banks. Mm, can we think of any large banks that went bankrupt, out of business, gone, kaput? How about Silicon Valley Bank? The story continues. Defined by OCC as those, quote, with more than $100 billion in assets that may exert significant pricing power or influence over sectors of the national economy using their vast wealth and financial power to impose their ideological views on Americans. So if you don't come in line, if you're not pro 
death, if you're not pro-abortion, if you're not pro-policies that are coming out of the uh, Biden administration, you know, the we hate oil policies, the everybody needs to be in an inefficient uh, EV car that you only can drive a few hundred miles and then you're stuck out of town because there aren't enough chargers available. If you don't love those policies, we can just uh, shut you down and uh, we can freeze your bank account. Mm-hmm. Although it seems like the rule ought to draw significant bipartisan support do liberals really want big banks punishing people who don't agree with them? Soon after taking office, President Biden put the rule on a 60-day hold. And we saw what happened with Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Silicon Woke Valley Bank. They went under. But they, they were celebrating... De celebrating DEI. They were celebrating ESG. They were celebrating... All of the things that the cool kids in the woke companies celebrated all the way to the unemployment line. Yep, too bad for them. Too bad for them. Well, in another story, there's 21 states, and here's the good news. Finally, hey, finally we get to some good news. 21 states threaten banks with legal action over woke policies. This is a story, Fox News Stay in your lane. 21 states threaten banks with legal action over woke policies. Let's take a listen to this story, cut number two. It was a Republican-led measure, and it would have overturned a regulation on environmental, social, and corporate governance guidelines, or ESG. You know the acronym. It's everywhere right now. It has such policies allowing retirement plan managers to consider things like climate change in their investment decisions, even if that's not your priority. Senator Manchin of West Virginia unloaded on the president. Here's a quote. This administration continues to prioritize their radical policy agenda over the economic, energy, and national security needs of our country. Biden is putting his administration's progressive agenda above the well-being of the American people. A Democrat is saying this. Republicans say this shows exactly the president does not care about everyday Americans. Instead of telling um, an investor that you need to invest only for the best financial return for the person working at home, the person working, going to work in a truck, instead you're telling the investor to prioritize the president's agenda. For the president, his agenda is more important than their better retirement. Senator Marsha Blackburn, Republican of the great state of Tennessee, member of the Senate Finance, Commerce and Judiciary Committees, is on the mez in focus in person today. Great to see you. Good to see you. First of all, this is a very important moment in a presidency, that first veto. You hardly see it covered anywhere. I'm going to think that it's political for some folk. That's right. Yeah, this is a very political move. But Harris, they prioritize ESG and DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. These are their, they follow this like a religion. It is woke, it is wokeism. And when you look at this veto, and he is saying to 152 million Americans, mm -hmm. your retirement savings are not as important to me as meeting the goals of ESG and DEI so I'm going to veto this measure. But then look at what they did with SVB, Silicon Valley Bank. They went in and they bailed out this bank. The bank got in trouble because they weren't focused on their fiduciary responsibility. It was bad management. But what were they focused on? They were focused on diversity, equity, inclusion. They were focused on climate change, environment, social justice, governance. That is where they were focused. And what did they do? Federal government comes in, does a bailout for them, for Signature Bank. Now, do you think they would have done that for a bank in Tennessee? Well, good point. Would they have done that for a bank in Tennessee? Probably not because Tennessee is a red state. So here was a bipartisan uh, bill passed in the House, passed in the Senate, and it would have uh, restricted banks from 
putting ESG and DEI policies out there in front and it would have restricted those sort of ideological issues, those sort of ideological issues to uh, be the, the, the governing force or the guiding force in terms of a mission statement of these large businesses and banks. So Republicans and Democrats both voted for the bill. Biden vetoed the bill. This is very interesting. So this bill was, uh, again, it was passed by Republicans and Democrats in the House and the Senate. To get uh, <clears throat> passed in the Senate, you have to have 60% in order to pass the cloture um, hurdle, and that happened. But Biden, Biden vetoes the bill. Uh, I have a question. I wonder if some Democrats uh, knew that Biden was going to veto the bill and therefore they voted for the bill because they were in these toss-up states, these states that were leaning red, but they weren't uh, completely red. And they did it in order to uh, have some talking points when they come up for election. I wonder if that was part of the calculus that went, went to, that happened here, that occurred here. Now, there, we have Senator Manchin from uh, West um, Virginia. And uh, ah, Senator Manchin, sometimes, sometimes he just lines right up with the Democrats. Uh, this one really didn't cost him much. He threw stones at Biden. But of course, Biden had the veto he knew that Biden was going to veto it. That could have been just another talking point and a safe point for uh, Senator Manchin in order to campaign. I know that his off his uh, seat is being challenged in the upcoming election, so we'll see how that goes. Now, Senator Marsha Blackburn, she had a lot to say. She's from the great state of Tennessee, and she did mention Silicon Valley Bank. She mentioned ESG. So. Let's take a look. Let's take a look. Dictionary Wars. We're going to look at ESG. What does that stand for? If you didn't already know, it stands for Environmental Social Governance. Okay? Environmental. Well, that's all that Green New Deal, uh, green wacko stuff. Climate change activism. Okay? We want you to eat no meat, have no gas stoves. You can't drive gasoline cars. We want you to eat bugs. And the latest I just read is that we're going to take away rice. It's basically, we want you to be absolutely miserable and yet feel good about saving the planet. That's what it's all about. Social. What does social means? Well, that's the beating of the drum for critical race theory. It's everything that has to do with the narrative that the United States is bad country. Marxism is good. Marxism says, wipe out our history. Remember all that during the um, summer of 2020? Remember all those statues? All those statues that were being taken down all those woke cities that allowed the pillaging and the burning to happen. In fact, I drove through one of those woke cities just recently. Ah, the buildings still have uh, fire uh, on the sides and holes in the roofs. And basically, it looks kind of like a scene out of some zombie movie. Uh, that's the remnants of the wonderful freedom of speech that they did. Yeah, people weren't arrested. It was fine. Uh, so this is social. Marxism says, wipe out our history, burn our cities, and rewrite the memories of the past, all the while not funding the police so that people can riot in the cities. Governance. Governance. What does that mean? Well, translation is fascism by any other name. Governance allows the government... And this is very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, it reminds me of George Orwell's Big Brother. Remember that? 1984, George Orwell. If you haven't read it, you need to read it. I had to read that in school, and I was glad that I did. It will be involved. Government will now be involved in every aspect of your life. That's what they're pushing. Every aspect of your life. It will not only tell you where you can spend your money, 
but it will pick winners and losers. What do I mean by picking winners and losers? Well, can you, do you remember what just happened? Just a few years ago with COVID, these businesses are essential. These businesses are not essential. Winners and losers. The government is going to allow this to take place and that is going to be shut down. And tens of thousands of businesses in state by state by state went out of business forever. So that's fascism. Fascism is the government picking winners and losers. Make no mistake about it. The government will force some companies out of business. It will control the economy. It will make no mistake. Now make no mistake that the next move is electronic currency. And we're going to dig into that some more in the future. If they don't like how you vote or think access to your money will be restricted. So if we don't push back, folks, this is what's going to happen Total totalitarianism, something akin to the Chinese social credit system. If you're not aware of the Chinese social credit system, credit system, you really need to do a little background research on that. If you don't, if you say something in China, act a certain way, and they don't like it, they shut you down. You're not allowed to travel. You're not allowed to get a raise. You're not allowed to get a better job. Possibly your kids are not able to have access to the better schools. That's the direction we're going with ESG. And now corporations all across America are lining up. Yeah, we are uh, lining up because we are, we are okay with pushing ESG policies. But I'm saying no, red flag on the field. We don't want to do that. Push back, folks. And we're going to transition now. Okay, we're going to queue up our final cut right now. This is Paul Fitzpatrick, president of 1792 Exchange. Hopefully, you've been hanging on and you're still here with me because uh, we've saved the best news for the end of this podcast. Let's give a listen to this. Paul Fitzpatrick, president of 1792 Exchange. He was interviewed on Wednesday's edition of Sirius XM's Breitbart News Daily with Alex Marlowe. Here we go. A group has come around and is actually trying to put the spotlight on which corporations are woke, which are less woke, which are in between, and build an index so that you can look it up and actually see what's going on. And this group is called the 1792 Exchange, and one of the people who's a part of the group is on with me now, Paul Fitzpatrick, who's the president. It's at 1792 Exchange on Twitter if you want to follow him. Paul, thanks so much for being on the show. I feel like I've got it summarized pretty well, but please uh, the, the, add any details you can. Oh, Alex, thank you so much. It's my honor to be on. Uh, starting big picture, your listeners know that the left has finally captured the last institution, corporate America. And just like you said, as consumers, whether you're running a small business or a nonprofit, you're vulnerable. You're also Whether you're supporting an agenda you don't believe in, or you're at risk of being canceled as an eye service. And that's really ultimately why 1792 Exchange was started. We're, we're a group that is devoted to and protecting free exercise, free speech, and free enterprise, and help world corporations move back to neutral. And one of the things we do is provide this service to equip and protect small businesses and nonprofits. And so this is our first spotlight report. You said spotlight. That's exactly what we're trying to do. Our first spotlight report shines the light on this corporate bias that we see. So we call this our corporate bias ratings. Uh, Easy to get to on our website. And the idea is that we have evaluated a 1,000 companies so that whether you're running a small business, a nonprofit, or just your family, uh, and I shouldn't say just, as you said, your, your purchasing decisions make a difference. Uh, we want to give you a quick and easy tool so that you can evaluate your risks and vulnerability. And what is the ideology that you're supporting? And the idea is that you can jump in, you can search on a company by name, you can search on an industry, and we've evaluated these companies and rated them based on their high risk, medium risk, or lower risk. And you say risk of what? Well, it's the risk of canceling or denying service for ideological reasons. 
the risk of canceling or denying services for ideological reasons. Listen, if the Mike, uh, excuse me, if uh, Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy, could be canceled, they can cancel anybody. They can cancel anybody. So check this out. It's 1792exchange.com. 1792exchange.com. And here, let me read from their website just briefly here. 1792 Exchange is a resource and alliance of like-minded organizations and leaders that guarantees all viewpoints have a seat at the cultural table. We bring together natural allies of First Amendment freedoms into a united movement. Working together, our convening power exposes coercion, and executives and excuse me and executes a response to ensure private actors cannot force seismic cultural changes while silencing free expression. So what are they talking about here? Let's let's kind of break this apart. What are the seismic cultural changes? Well, if banks simply make loans on the basis of DEI or ESG or how woke your your business is. And basically, you just want to open up a store that sells boots or sells hats or sells something else, maybe coffee, but you're not going to put a ESG DEI face on everything that you do. You're not going, that, that's not your purpose. Your purpose is to provide either a good or a service. And, and in this case, we're talking about coffee or hats or boots. Uh, and if your company doesn't have some sort of something in their mission statement that says, yes, we're going to push the ESG agenda. We're going to push the DEI agenda. If that's not in the mission statement and they say, hey, don't you think you should put this in there? And you go, well, well you know, that's not what we're really about. We're just trying to sell boots. We're just trying to sell belts or hats. They, they can deny your loan. They can deny your loan. That's a woke company. So you don't want to do business with companies like that. This is very easy to use this resource. And take a look at their spotlight report. I myself personally am going to shift away from certain companies and towards other companies so this we, we need to begin voting with our pocketbook folks that's what we're saying here it's very important we can vote at the polls but that's only every two years in terms of certain offices other offices the big ones the president uh senators house of representatives of course house it's every two years but you also have house and senate Senate rotates every two years, um, a third of the, of the Senate, because they have six-year terms. But it's the presidential elections that everybody thinks about. But hey, you can be voting. You can be voting every single day with your pocketbook. That's why uh, Woke Disney is losing billions now, okay? Because people are saying, no, I think I'll, I'll, think I'll take a vacation somewhere else. Uh, I'm done with Woke Disney. That's why Budweiser... Okay, that brand, people are going, no, Bud Light, no, not going to do it. I don't want to be looking or thinking about a picture of a tranny on a, on a can of beer every time I, I drink beer. In fact, it was very interesting. I was at an event uh, recently, and there are a number of people, and this was just uh, people getting together, and somebody said into the microphone, hey, anybody want a Bud Light here? And the whole crowd immediately just at the top of their lungs, they yelled, no! The event just happened to be in a bar where they served Bud Light, but that could have been at a restaurant, could have been in a lot of places. The point is, people are saying no, and Bud Light, latest I've heard that Budweiser has lost somewhere between five and six billion dollars. Billion dollars. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So, it's, they're making a difference. Americans are making a dis difference. They're throwing down the red flag on the field and they're saying, no, I'm not going to put up with this. So some final talking points here. The political left is taking over corporate America. You've seen Silicon Valley Bank, Anheuser-Busch, and Disney going woke, but also going broke. 
Silicon Valley Bank out of business. Bye-bye. And Heiser-Bursch losing five to six billion and Disney losing a few billion also. Now you can look up your bank or financial institution quickly and decide if you want to stay there or move your money. Okay? So I encourage you to take a look at 1792exchange.com. And there's many, many categories, many categories when you, when you look at this um, spotlight report. So you can, you can filter it. It'll make it uh, easier for you. Right now, I'm taking a look at industries. You can look at accounting, automobiles, banks, capital goods. You can look uh, cloud, data storage, data security, email, marketing. Uh, you can look food and beverage, uh, government, healthcare, uh, insurance, materials, uh, real estate, retailing, uh, software services, transportation, utilities, video communication, web browsers, website hosting. So I didn't uh, read them all, uh, but you can, uh, I mean, there's a wide variety. You can just filter it if you're concerned about some uh, vendor that you use or company that you use frequently. Take a look and you can see their risk level ratings. Uh, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, now, according to the New York Post, uh, Walt Disney CEO Bob Iger on Wednesday announced a sweeping corporate restructuring. Restructuring. They're going to slash 7,000 jobs. This was from a New York Post article, April 17, 2023. So this just came out yesterday as we're putting together this podcast. They're going to cut 7,000 jobs at Woke Disney as part of an effort to achieve $5.5 billion in cost savings. So uh, you better make no mistake about it. Make no mistake about it. It makes a difference where you spend your money. Think about it every day, where you spend your money. And talk to your friends. Let them know about 1792exchange.com. We vote with our dollars. That's how it works in a capitalist system. We vote with our dollars. And there's a parallel economy. If you haven't already noticed, there is a parallel economy being set up where we move away from woke companies because woke is broke and we move to companies that love God, love liberty, and love the United States of America. Well, that's it for our program today, folks. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons. You've been listening to Narrative Wars, and thank you for sticking with us. Please, if you enjoy this program, five-star, like it, share it with a friend. If you've enjoyed this program, please tell others. We're already at over 500 downloads on Podbean and moving quickly to 1,000, and we really haven't done a heck of a lot of marketing. So we're still kind of in a soft launch phase, but the word is getting out. Hey, until next time, fellow lovers of liberty, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Sick and tired, so tired.